I'm pretty sure what I have to tell you isn't new to you, but I hope hearing about it through a service dog's perspective may give you some fresh insights. First, I'm going to give you a short history about dogs. Then I'm going to explain the nature of dogs, though as with any generalities about species, including humans, there are variations. Then, with that understanding of dogs, I'll talk about what service dogs and dogs have to teach us. First, a little history. Humans and dogs go back at least 14,200 years with the first dog buried beside humans and disputed remains 36,000 years ago. Before religions came along whose doctrine placed animals, placed humans, excuse me, above animals, animals were considered a part of the web of existence. Dogs were among the animals worshipped for their usefulness to humans. Even today, in Chinese astrology, one of the 12 signs is a dog. Until very recently, in this span of time, all dogs, except the toy breeds, had a job. They were bred either intentionally or by chance for the various jobs they had. Then, after industrialization, many of the jobs dogs did went away. So in fact, service dogs are simply an extension of that history. Still, many dogs, pet or service dogs, do their, still do their utmost to conform to what their humans want. They love unconditionally in a way that we aspire to. Yes, I use a word, love, that many people ascribe solely to humans, but I believe love is an emotion from biology to promote bonding in pack animals, animals who pair bond for life, hopefully humans, and animals who expend spring, also humans, among other animals. Some people love who love dogs love them because they think of them as people. My parents tell me a story of someone who told them his son was sick. His son was sick. I do not think of my dogs as children. I have children, and my relationship with my children and my service dogs is profoundly different. I think confusing dogs with people is both a disservice to people and dogs. It creates most of the issues for dogs who, for better or worse, have thrown in their lot with humans. I'd like you, for at least this sermon, to try to think like a dog. You're all doing a great job of sit right now. <laughs> 
The first thing to understand, the first thing to understand about dogs is they are reactionary creatures. They react most to smell, but also movement, sound, and touch. They respond to what's happening in the moment without considering the consequences. That doesn't mean they can't learn or do what they're trained to do despite what's happening at the moment. But if you've seen the movie Up, where the talking squirrel literally interrupts himself mid-sentence to squirrel, <laughs> this is a dog, or some teens with cell phones. This is a huge area of misunderstanding. If a dog does something unwanted and gets yelled at a few minutes later, then the dog has learned that whatever it was doing a few minutes later was wrong. Dogs do have a sense of routine, and so in some sense, like sense of time, Nakoma, my retired service dog, certainly knows that 4.30 p.m. is her mealtime and starts getting excited as 4.30 grows closer. Routines ground dogs and make them happy. I'm not suggesting that you have dinner at the exact same time every day. And I really would not recommend eating the same thing every day especially dog food. <laughs> but you may want to consider if you feel overscheduled, overwhelmed, or life is a bit chaotic, adding some routine to your day. Some people say they get a dog so they have a reason to go for a walk every day. A dog, even a pet dog, is a commitment, so I don't think that's the only reason, or at least I hope not, but Many humans tend to rationalize emotions in a way that dogs don't. Dogs are emotional creatures. And it's said that if you need a friend in politics, get a dog. <laughs> so now you know another reason I have a dog. But seriously, dogs' emotional states are evident in their body language and vocalizations. Dogs also know that if someone is sad or lonely, just being there and showing emotion can help. How many times do we humans overthink? Well, I haven't experienced that, so therefore I have nothing to say. Sometimes there is nothing you can say. Or, or do you? or nothing you can say that hasn't been said a million times. I'm sorry for your loss is such a phrase, but when I'm saying it to someone who has lost, I say it with feeling. I mean it even if I don't understand that particular loss. Showing up, being there, is what matters to most people. So I said, dogs behave based on how they feel at any given moment. If a dog is anything other than in a calm, positive emotional state, it cannot listen to you. 
Humans are in the same way. If I started yelling this sermon or spoke too fast, many of you wouldn't understand me. That means if a dog is too excited or scared, the most well-trained dog will behave in ways that are unwanted to humans. This leads to another big misunderstanding. Many times I'll see dogs who are fearful or excited, and the owner, rather than trying to get the dog into a calm, emotional state, is just issuing commands. Sit, sit, sit. Fortunately, if you are the dog's pack leader, it's fairly easy to get the dog, who, as I said, is reactionary, into a different mood. For example, an excited dog will respond to calmness. Like how are you? Like how you are watching me calmly. Good job. <laughs> now, most humans are less reactionary than most dogs. But how often have you tried to communicate with someone who is not in a state to listen? I know I have. And then I wondered why this person wasn't listening to my perfectly reasonable statement. And by the way, I think the phrase perfectly reasonable is actually not how communication works. Yes, we humans have reason and logic, unlike dogs, but perfectly reasonable implies that I have the answer, and the other person just needs to know my answer. But communicating with another species on a regular basis has taught me that communication is always about trying to understand that other being that no, I actually don't have the answer for that other person. Perhaps the most important thing to know about dogs, and the thing that makes people, and any you use who think dogs are people, is that dogs are pack animals who need a pack leader who keeps them safe. This also explains the cat-dog wars among people because cats aren't pack animals. But in their own way, cats have adapted to living with people. There are feral and domesticated cats. Anyway, the pack leader isn't the biggest, most aggressive creature, despite what some drug dog trainers may tell you. But the most consistent can enforce discipline and the one who can make decisions when things are scary. For this reason, dogs choose humans as pack leaders, despite the fact that all dogs are faster, stronger, and can smell much better than any human. All of this to say that to a dog, all humans have weak physical attributes, are disabled, if you will. Yet dogs look to humans to lead them. Some people say, oh, isn't that great? That dog is a hero. Or terrible, if you're PETA. That a service dog serves a person with a disability. I can't say if dogs have a spectrum of human ability from non-disabled to disabled. But judging by the behavior of dogs, I don't think so. In my first team training, I had the privilege of being in class with a man paralyzed from the neck down. 
All the dogs did exactly what he said. He was easily the best handler in the class. Some, peop <clears throat> Some people say dogs don't judge. I think more accurate is that dogs don't care about many of the things humans do. Wealth, job, another human status symbols, obviously, but they also don't care about your clothes, weight, or skin color, and I hate to break it to you, your intellect. <laughs> Psychology professor Albert Mer sorry, I don't know how to say his name, I'm gonna mangle it, Merhurabin at the University of California, Los Angeles, says that 7% of meaning is communicated through spoken word, 38% through tone of voice, and 55% through body language. I'm talking about for humans. <laughs> for dogs, a word is the last thing they learn. If you've ever watched a cartoon, or for younger folks, YouTube, where a character is talking gibberish, this is how humans sound to dogs. Yep, I've admitted to you that my service dog over there thinks I'm saying a bunch of gibberish. But while it can make communication <clears throat> with a dog difficult, it's also freeing. My pride in my intellect and being capable means nothing to a dog. How I behave in the moment is everything. And there is profound acceptance in that. And since humans don't behave exactly the same all the time, dogs seem to spend a lot of time figuring us out. They're one of the few animals that understand pointing. Chimps don't. As I said in my reflection, my service dogs have taught me to accept myself. So given what I've told you, <clears throat> So given what I've just told you about dogs and the barrier they face in overriding their reactions and understanding humans, it may seem like a tall order to become a service dog sleeping through my sermon. I hope I haven't put you to sleep by now. Despite breeding for service dogs since 1975, a short time in the span of domesticated dogs, Canine Companions has raised the percentage of dogs who become service dogs from around 45% to 52%. Raising service dogs starts with newborn puppies, who from birth start their training to become service dogs. At eight weeks, most are potty trained, know their name, and know to sit to be petted. For a dog, that is really impressive, considering that every single behavior must be taught in a specific context such as sit at home in the kitchen, then sit at home in the living room, and then each command must be repeated over and over again in so many different contexts that eventually the dog learns to generalize that yes, sit means put your butt in the ground in, in everywhere. Why does the dog do this? Yes, the human is the pack leader, but each time the dog is rewarded. Dogs love food, like most animals, so yes, treats are a reward, but dogs will do things for praise or petting. If you're trying something that's hard for you, 
you might consider rewarding yourself. Go ahead and give yourself an immediate reward, like a dog, if that's what you need. Or, since we're human and can think of the future, you can even think of what the end result might be. When I was writing this, my first ever sermon, frankly, a slightly terrifying project, prospect for all that you're very kind people, I think about sharing an important part of my life with you. And maybe that for at least one of you might see things in a different life. I find this more exciting than my worry. So let me share some more with you. Service dogs have taught me about reading body language, consistency, discipline, and patience. Dogs are always learning, so I have to keep up their training every day. Remember that in the moment. I never understood or practiced routine until I had a service dog. I've become a better mother and wife. Embedded in the statement is service both requires persistence over time and is fun and rewarding. We humans tend to think of service as a duty, a sacrifice, but there's no fun or reward in it for you. I invite you to try to find something else to do. It's not that service is totally fun all the time. I know for a fact that my incredibly curious service dog would much rather be going around sniffing everything and saying hi to everyone. He has the biggest case of FOMO, fear of missing out, and joy in new things. And that's why he loves his life as a service dog. He goes everywhere with me. He's, he's traveled to Italy, Scotland, and England. He picked me. As you can see, dogs need to sleep. And being a service dog involves a lot of sleeping on the job. They also need time to play and exercise. After working, my service dog erupts into a joyous dance of play. Unlike him, I don't run or play with toys. But I need play, exercise, and sleep. I'm hopefully less reactionary than my service dog, but if I don't take time off from working, I get cranky. I invite you to consider how much time you devote to play, exercise, and sleep. If you're efficient, you can combine exercise and play. I walk and play Pokemon Go. I also use Pokemon Sleep. Last but not least, I leave you with something any dog can teach you. Like a dog, I invite you to feel joy every day over the simplest things. Smelling a new thing or a thing you love. Smells are a way of time traveling back to the past. Taking a walk and noticing what's around you. Eating a good meal. Hearing sounds you love. 
or for humans, music. Prancing about, or what we humans call dancing. Enjoy life to the fullest, and take some time to live in the moment. The spirit's willing, your life will be much longer than a dog's. <laughs>